We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski coming to you from my office in New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. You know, before we—and by the way, uh, blessed Advent season, that'll begin tomorrow, so we wish people God's blessings here as we get ready for the birth of our Savior. Uh, I want to go, though, back to a topic that we've dealt with in the past numerous times, and that has to do with big vegetable, Matt. Okay. <laughs> Why um, am I not surprised, John? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, let, let me make it perfectly clear. We have nothing against vegetarians, okay? If, if you want to be a vegetarian, I have family members that are vegetarian, and there's nothing wrong with that. I respect that. But we're talking about the corruption and the influence, and, and, and I don't know what other word you could think of that is big vegetable. The Matt. machine. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and, and what I never realized before is this actually is a Reformation issue. Did, did you know that? That big vegetable has been around that long for over 500 is years. Is that right? Thanks for opening our eyes to this, John. Well, well, let me tell you the story. And, and this is the true story, by the way. This comes to us via a podcast called uh, a Ridiculous History, if anybody <laughs> wants to pursue this. Okay. But but apparently the the big vegetable was one of the causes for the reformation. Really? Well now now what was the big thing? What was the big practice that Luther was against? It starts with the letter I. Well, the <laughs> the sale of indulgences. And and what I didn't realize and again we thank the people there at, at ridiculous history, that actually had to do with having to eat vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. This is the this is the truth. We're not making this up. During the time of the Reformation, uh, uh, the Pope. And by the way, it's interesting. You know, we we never did condemn the Pope. It was always the papacy. And I, I realized that's probably because we understood that it, it wasn't the guy. It was the influence of big big vegetables. <laughs> Well, thanks for making that fine distinction <laughs> yeah. for us. <laughs> well, because they, they said that you couldn't eat meat on Wednesdays, on Fridays, and on Saturdays. That was the rule. It Three used to, out of seven it, days. Oh. Well, it gets worse, Matt, because you couldn't eat vegetables any of the days during Lent. Oh, meat, right. Right, meat. No meat. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. Uh, which meant that actually half of days. the year— Half of the year, then you were you were you you couldn't eat meat. You had to eat vegetables. Isn't that something? <laughs> that is something, John. You would have a hard time <laughs> being a Roman Catholic in Reformation era. <laughs> and, and of course, there was a lot of resentment of, amongst the Germans because it wasn't that big a deal if you lived in Italy, if you lived down around the Mediterranean, because yeah. you had a lot of fish you could eat. Because I don't know why fish doesn't qualify as meat, but apparently it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I, I always thought, but apparently it's, it's a vegetable, apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, and, and the other thing you couldn't have is butter. 
because that's a meat product, right? But of course, oh. if you live in Italy, oh. you've got these wonderful olive groves. Yeah, olive so oil. Yeah. Olive oil. Yeah. And, and the Germans thought, well, yeah, it's easy for you to, to fast like that, to have a no meat fast on, on half the year because you've got olive oil, you've got easy access to fish. And we're up here. What do we got? We got nothing but carrots. <laughs> so, and sausage we can't eat <laughs> can't eat our sausage yeah and, and so this is the honest truth that was one of the reasons why the message of the reformation was, was so uh widely accepted because yeah people really didn't like the fact that they had this three-day fast and then a whole uh 40 days of fasting uh and, and of course that's where the indulgences came in because you see it was interesting so you know you really weren't supposed to eat sausage on a wednesday but, you know, if you said you were sorry and you gave so much money and bought an indulgence, then, then you could eat. And in fact, there were whole countries that were given like a, a, a built-in indulgence. Uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, they gave so much money to the church. So that's okay. That, that, uh, Brittany, I think, was the, the, the region. Oh, they, they can go ahead and eat meat on Wednesdays and Saturdays because, you know, they've made. Now, of course, they made a confession, too. No, no, it's not just about the money. You have to say you're really sad you're doing that. But yeah, yeah, so they were given a blanket. Oh, man, I'm trying to think with the word. Uh, uh, I can't think of it now. But anyway, they, they had a blanket permission to go ahead and do those things. Yeah, dispensation so, or something like thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly the word, yeah. Matt, dispensation. Yeah. So there you go, people. This whole big—this is nothing new with me and Matt. The, the, the church has been fighting this for 500 years. <laughs> we are still carrying on the Reformation-era tradition of fighting big mess. <laughs> That's right. You know, man cannot live on sauerkraut alone, John. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's all he had, a sauerkraut. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. The, the gas, the flatulence. Oh, it would be my. terrible. The stomach, the bloating. And you wonder why people were so excited about the Reformation. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. So now on to a, a more serious subject. Um, you know, they always say, Matt, that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, which would mean I'd pretty well be shot. <laughs> I can sit up and roll over, and that's about it. Um, but but actually, and, and you'll see this too as you get older and you retire, uh, I'm constantly learning, constantly learning, Matt. Uh, my wife and I, we, we try to do a daily Bible study. Um, we, we've been reading from the, the, the Lutheran confessions. Now we're reading some stuff that Luther wrote about, uh, freedom. And we, we read our Bible every day and, and do our, uh, uh, Lutheran study Bible. We read the notes from that. Um, and listening so, to some pretty valuable podcasts too. For exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to share something with you that I, 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 I'd never known. And, and, you know, I've been at this for over 40 years and you think I would pretty well know everything. Well, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of the joys in ministry. And I just think, you know, of, of being a Christian, we have a, a Bible study I lead here at, at Ascension and uh, on Tuesday morning. It's, it's mostly you know, for folks who are retired and have the time to, to come to Bible class during the day. And, you know, just these lifelong learners of God's word and just the, this this joy for people who know the story so well, but just have a hunger and thirst for it. And just your the way your eyes light up. Uh, when you have these new insights, I, I think it's just fantastic, and that's that's kind of a, a privilege we have as pastors, right, John, to be de doing that day in and day out, and even in retirement, 
uh, it's it's a joy, it really is. So thanks for sharing your new insight with us on wrestling with the basics. Well, and and that's it. That's what's incredible because we basically have the same set of texts that we work uh, over every three sure. years, uh, and, and yet I'm sure you would verify this. When we go at them, we suddenly say, "Oh, here's something. How did I not see that? <laughs> that is so obvious and plain." But but uh, the Lord kind of divvies that out, I guess, so we have something yeah, and I, fresh to give yeah. to people. And I think different stages of life. You know, as a as a parent, I read. The scriptures oh, a little yeah. differently now, and or the the scriptures have new insights that I didn't see because now I'm I'm in that time of life, and uh, so even though the scriptures don't change, you know, our our station in life does change, and so I I think that we're always gleaning new insights. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and that Matt, what a that's a wonderful insight because yeah, you're right. As our experiences change, as we get older. We, we see things that we would not sure. have seen before. In fact, yeah. I'll give you an example of that and what we're going to talk about today. And and then maybe our needs change too. So maybe that's how the Lord designs it. There's things that, that we really didn't need with the subjects we were dealing with in the past, but we will need that with the people that we have to deal with in, in the present. Well, well, enough talking about it. Let, let me just give you an example. If you would read verse 14 of Mark 4, Mark 4, verse 14. Okay, so this is... Uh... Jesus' explanation, right, uh, of yeah. a parable. He says, the sower sows the word. Right. So it's that, that classic uh, parable, you know, that the seed gets thrown and, and some ground, it doesn't do anything. In fact, it's taken away by birds and other ground. It sprouts up, but it doesn't grow because it doesn't have a root. And other ground, thorns choke it out. And then, of course, there's always the good soil where it produces 30, 40, 50 fold. And the disciples say, well, what's this all about? What's this all about? And Jesus says, well, here's the key thing you need to know. The seed we're talking about uh, that, that is being sown is the word. Now, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I got my Greek Bible sitting in front of me and you don't have that advantage. Do you happen to remember what the Greek word is for word there? Uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming logos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good assumption. So <laughs> you, you obviously have been paying attention when you've studied this before. Um, but here's the so so again. What is what does the word logos mean? Well, word. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's translated word. Well, that's what you'd think, isn't it, Matt? Uh, but so so we've got this uh, translation of the Gospels by a, a gal named Sarah Rudin, and, and we've been reading it because it's fun to read a different translation. And it's fun because Sarah Rudin knows there are words that we use in the church that don't have any meaning anymore. You know, we, we just use them and we think everybody understands them, but but they're just church words. So, for example, oh, yeah. uh, this is this. What is this thing that we're talking about here? What's it called? In the Bible, in most translations, this par- this story, a parable, yeah. yeah. But does that mean anything to you? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I think yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think we do. We yeah, it's just yeah. I think there's some truth to that, especially uh, as as preachers. We're probably the ones that are most guilty of this offense. We use words like parable and justification, and and we don't get, we don't unpack those words. And sometimes maybe we don't give that much thought as to what they mean. But they're just churchy words that we use. So, so like what she likes to use is she likes to use the word analogy, analogy, which I thought, okay, you know, that's at least a different way to think about it. Let people understand, you know, this isn't just a, a church story parable, but no, that there, there, there's an intent to have something that's going to compare to something else. So that's how she translates the word parable. She translates analogy. And what really struck us is the way she translates logos, at least here in this particular uh, verse, is she translates true account. 
a true account. He sows the true account. And I thought, wow, where, where did she get that word account from? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I went back and got out my big book of, of uh, Greek <laughs> words, uh, the TDNT, actually, if you want to know. The what is it? The Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Oh, yeah, that's sure. sure. I've got it on my cell. Uh, yeah. And actually, it turns out that is what the word— See, it means word. I'm not denying that. And, and certainly that's the sense of it in, in, in the, the New Testament. But in the Greek world, the, the, the word logos actually originates as a mathematic term. It means literally to count things. It means to total things. In fact, that's what a logos is. It is the total of whatever you've been adding together. Uh, isn't that interesting? Mm, yeah. yeah well, so, and, yeah, and that's why she would use the word account, because of yeah. that. Yes. Yeah, because well, and I, that's what I thought. That's what we do in English too, right? We have counting, but we give an account of what we've done. Uh, mm -hmm. An account is, of course, the, the total of things that we've added together. But but what I really liked about that nuance that she brings out is people like to talk about truth being relative, right? Oh yeah, truth is, truth oh, is relative. That's pretty popular uh, now. Um, yeah. But but you see, math is not relative, is it? If, if, if you would go and, and buy yourself a hamburger at McDonald's and hand the person a $20 bill and the person hands you back a change of, of, a, of a one, of a $1, you know, you think, wow, hamburgers have really gotten expensive. Or you would think, wait a second, this isn't the right change. And what if the clerk said to you, well, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> and it seems to me a dollar is really all you need. <laughs> so I'll keep the other 15 or 16. <laughs> what, 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 Not what, so what, fast, buddy. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, listen to last week's episode about uh, angles, and you'll learn. <laughs> That's right. Numbers matter. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing relative about angles, boy. If it's not 90 degree, you can't use your Pythagorean theorem. Um, but I just thought that was kind of a neat nuance that, that the word logos has that that kind of sense to it that no, this isn't relative. Whatever's being sown here, this is the absolute truth. There's no debating it or argument about it. Uh, I, I've got a daughter who is a uh, auditor for the IRS. I've got another daughter who is, uh, these are stepdaughters, by the way, who, who is a controller. Isn't that sound impressive? She's the assistant controller for Carleton College. Woohoo! And essentially, a controller is the one who kind of watches over and manages the money and th those kind of issues. I have I have my own daughter Naomi, by the way, who hates math, and so she would be glad if it was relative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm know. with her. That's why I became a pastor, John. Very little math involved. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but honestly, if, if you work with numbers. No, no, there is no relativity to it. In fact, if you're an auditor, if you're a controller, those numbers have to match exactly down to the penny. Uh, and I just wanted people to know that, that what as silly as the stuff we do here, which is all relative, in fact, whether it's silly or not, that's relative. But but the, the <laughs> word that we're talking about, this logos, no, this is true account. I love that true account because it is, that's the sense of that that Greek word. Um, no, so while we're doing this, my wife and I are talking about it because that's what we do. We read a verse and then we read it in, in uh, the, her Rubin's translation. And, and uh, my wife is going, but what is, what is the Logos? What is the Logos? What is the Logos? She's saying. And I'm going on about, well, you know, it's, it's about accounting and it's about truth. And, and no, what is the and, and it dawned on me. Here's another thing I'd never thought of before. So why is Jesus saying this, that the sower sows the seed? What, what's prompted Jesus to say these things? 
Yeah, so uh, the, you know, in the beginning of uh, chapter four, the, you've got the, uh, the the crowd around him, and he begins to teach them in parables. And uh, yeah, and then at this point, he's taking he's just talking to the twelve, it seems, yeah. and he's explaining the parable to them because uh, they don't understand. Yep, yeah, yeah. That's it exactly because Jesus has told them the analogy, and they don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, which, by the way, though, the smart thing is that they come to Jesus and ask. Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, yeah. good move, disciples. One of the few good moves they make it they seems make. in the gospels. Uh, because, because, see, that's what Jesus says. These things have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Uh, for everyone else, it's it's just a parable, an analogy that they may indeed see but not perceive, that they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. That that's the words that precede what you just read, uh, and that's the thing. So Jesus speaks this way, and there are some people who say, "Well, that Jesus, he's just the dumbest." Have you ever heard anything as stupid as throwing your seed on a road? That is the stupidest story I've ever heard. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, but then there's other people who say. I don't understand. What does this mean? And, and they come to Jesus. And, you know, in our lives, Matt, there's all kinds of things we just don't understand. Our lives are an analogy in a sense that there's all kinds of things happening. And we're not sure what God means by these things. But I'm telling you what, you go to the Lord and ask him. Okay? You go to the Lord and ask him. That's the thing to do. If there's things in your lives you don't understand, yeah, go to the Lord and say, what's going on here? What's going on here? But here's the thing that I never thought of before. So he does explain, you know, that we got Satan. That's part of the problem. Satan takes some of the the logos away. Uh, we do have the problem that that people don't really let their faith grow. They don't let it build up roots, and therefore, when when troubles and trials comes, it just kind of fades away. There are people who have faith, but then when they see all the desires and all the wonders and the the temptations of the world, those kind of overwhelm their faith. The 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 the, the things of the world become more important to them. And then, of course, we have the the good fruit, the good soil, and there it does bear fruit. Uh, um, and, and, you know, you said earlier about uh, growing and, and having understanding as we get older. Um, that was one of the big things that happened to me with this parable, Matt, because I didn't really understand this parable. What in the world is that talking about? <laughs> I thought. But after being a pastor for about a decade, I realized, oh, it's just reality. Uh, haven't you experienced all of these conditions amongst the people you minister to, Matt? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the, the same account, the same word being shared and spread. And yet, yeah, there's, uh, you know, that it, just this is the way it is, right? Uh, sometimes it grows and bears fruit in the lives of people. And sometimes it's choked out by the words of the world. Sometimes it's plucked up by Satan. And that's the way it is. Yeah. And, you know, you even see that sometimes, you know, people are really excited about, you know, uh, you know, Bible class or whatever. And, and I and that's great. But I pray that it's not just a flash in the pan, but that they continue and they bear fruit because, uh, yeah, what Jesus says here, it's it's true in the parish. Uh, it's true anywhere when it comes to the reception of the word. And and so it, it was always a great comfort. Then once I understood that, that this is just mm-hmm. how it actually mm-hmm. works, it, yeah. this parable became a great comfort to me because I realized, okay, my job is to just keep sowing the word. It's not my responsibility where it works, where it doesn't work. I don't make a discrimination either. That's what I love about this parable. I don't say, oh, I'm not going to preach the gospel to that guy. That ain't going to go anywhere. No, he's too crude, too sinful. Uh, we don't want that kind of person in our church anyway. No, no, you just keep throwing out that gospel, even where you think it wouldn't help any, and, and you let God, 
the Holy Spirit works faith when and where it pleases him. And, and so, yeah, it was always a great comfort to know. I, I, I just spread the word, spread the logos. Exactly. And see what happens. Yeah, whether you're a pastor or not, I think of people in their, their own families, the family members oh, who, yeah. who aren't Christians or atheists even maybe, don't believe in a God at all. Just spread the word. As you have opportunity, share the word. And just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to work through that word uh, in the lives of people. That, that's all we're called to do, sow the word. And, and Matt, yeah, thank you for that, because it is a personal thing. I'm sure we all have people in our families that we wish were more faithful, or maybe even some who have kind of rejected it, and, and you just love them. And one opportunity, you tell them about this God who loves them, and uh, then you just see what happens, because sometimes it doesn't work the first time, but maybe the second time, or the third, or the fourth, or the tenth time you saw the word, there will be fruit. But but here's actually, back to the point I was trying to make originally. So the disciples, they don't know what's going on here, do they? In fact, like my wife, they're saying, well, what is this word you're talking about? What is this logos? We, yeah. we know it's something that's very true. We understand what the word logos means. It's an accounting, a total. But but what do you, uh, and, and it dawned on me, well, of course, it's just what you said before. They don't understand what's going on because they haven't heard the totality of the true account, have they? In fact, they won't truly understand everything until the day of Pentecost, after Jesus has suffered and died and rose and ascended, and he's given them the gift of the Spirit. In fact, don't, don't they say that all the time in the Gospels? And we did not understand at this point. Yep. We did not understand until he was resurrected. Uh, and again, what a great comfort to us. Yeah, maybe we don't understand everything God's doing in our lives right now. So don't sweat it, okay? <laughs> you just keep listening to the Lord and just be patient. And the time will come when it will all make sense, when we will understand everything that God's be doing. And we'll see that it wasn't just uh, a, a, a relative opinion, right? That truth is relative when God says, all things work together for good for those uh, who, who love me. No, that's not a relative truth. That is an absolute logos counting truth. That's exactly what's going to happen, even if we don't necessarily see that right here and now. Uh, the time will come and you will see and you will know that. So, um, well, anyway, yeah. so there, so it's an old dog can learn. Yeah, tricks, that's Matt. great. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I, you know, and as you talk about that, you know, different meanings of the word logos, you know, yeah. accounting and you know, the word. And I, you know, another meaning of the word logos is, is Jesus, right? You know, uh, John yeah, chapter yeah. one, in the beginning was the, the logos, the word. And, you know, as we, as we share that word, that that's where it's always centered. That account is always ultimately about the word made flesh, the one who is the word himself. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I, the sower sows the word, you know, and it's certainly God's word, but, you know, I almost wonder if, uh, Jesus, you know, <laughs> maybe he's pointing to himself as he says that the sower sows the word, <laughs> you know, we're sharing Christ with others, you know, too, as we share the word with them, as we give that account of them, uh, to them. And, and Matt, man, wow, thank you. The Holy Spirit uh, led you to that, because you're right. What an insight that is, uh, and twofold. If, if the word logos does mean the total of all things, the totality, the, the adding up, uh, uh, well, that is Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and and you talked about that uh, with the discussion of angels. No, no, the angels are nothing compared to Jesus because he is it. It's all there. There's it's the sum of everything that God intends to do. You can't add anything to it. You certainly wouldn't want to subtract anything to it. Uh, and and the other thought I appreciate in that Matt is yeah, it's not just about teaching the Bible. Yeah. Um, I, and I know you do this because I've, I've listened to your Bible study. I listen to what you do here on Wrestling with the Basics, and I hope we do that. We're not here just to tell you about uh, little trivia things in the Bible, but we are here to give people the totality of what the Word of God is, which is Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, you know, our sins are forgiven. In Him, we know that God loves us even when we haven't been so lovable. In Him, we know that uh, uh, there's nothing that can separate us, right, from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. So, Matt, thank you for that. Because, yeah, I think that's that's a really good way of putting it. He is. He is the sum and substance of everything. Uh, he is the Word. Well, I, I want to thank all of our listeners again, and we, again, we wish everybody a blessed Advent. Uh, will you have midweek services, Matt? Yeah, we sure will. So we are meeting on Wednesdays at 6.30, and uh, for those three Wednesdays leading up to the celebration of Christmas. And this has been Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the Basics. The basics.